You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode number 37 called 10 Ways to Use Audio Recording in a Student-Centered Classroom. In this episode, we'll explore some of the benefits that audio recordings can bring to a student-centered classroom. We'll describe 10 specific project ideas that you could bring to your classroom that involve audio recordings, and we'll give you the ed tech that you'll need to make those projects a reality. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Got Tech, the podcast. This is a really exciting episode. Geis and I brought back a lot of really cool things from our recent PD experiences at ISTE, and we're really excited to bring some uh, some ideas about audio recording in student-centered classrooms to you guys today for this episode. So, uh, Geis, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I didn't think you were going to actually include me in this episode. Well, I'm just, I told you, I'm that excited about it. I thought I might just run with it myself. But uh, no, this is a really cool one. I think we sort of skirt around the issue of audio recording. We talk about it in a lot of different frames, but we've never focused directly on that before. So that's why I think this could be a really exciting episode. And like we said in the intro, we've got a bunch of specific project ideas we're going to get into in a little bit, but we're going to start off and just talk about some of the benefits that audio recording can bring to student-centered classrooms in general. Because when you first hear that, especially if you're a teacher that doesn't do a lot of audio recording. It might sound kind of strange. What could I even use this for? But I think there's a lot of benefits that are out there. So the first thing that I thought of is really just helping students with brainstorming. And the difficulty with brainstorming for a lot of kids is uh, sometimes there is pressure. If you're sharing things out loud, you don't want to say something that's going to be embarrassing or sound silly. But if you can have the students audio record their ideas, it kind of takes away some of that stress, gives them a little bit more freedom in terms of uh, sharing whatever they think and maybe just a little more free-flowing thought as well. So their audio recording, brainstorming can be kind of a cool way to incorporate that. One thing I like about this is the fact that you can get an audio recording program on your phone, whether it's for free or whether you pay for something a little bit nicer that has a little bit more functionality. And then as you're doing chores at home, yard work, and I know a lot of our students, they have their, their own lawn mowing businesses and lawn care and stuff like that, or they have a job in which they can listen to music or do something like that. Why not be able to record yourself and uh, throw out some ideas that you might have while you're essentially doing mindless work. So I, I really like that part of it too. Yeah, and that's also just a good skill for, I think a lot of people probably do it this way. Sometimes a lot of people have like just a little audio recorder and they just keep it on their desk and whenever they have a good idea, click it on, talk in your thought, and then you can listen back to it later. So we're kind of just building in that real life skill also. Another good reason to use audio recording is that it's kind of like a, another nice safe way to practice new learning or really new vocabulary and it gives students a sort of unique way to self-assess. Uh, this way they can practice saying things over and over and over. If they make a mistake, they can go back, repeat it, no stress. They don't have to worry about other kids hearing them. They can sort of get all that stuff out of the way in the recording, uh, listen back to it, and then make 
make those corrections for when they are saying it aloud for the first time and it really counts. This, of course, wouldn't be possible if they're just handwriting it or if they're just sort of getting up and speaking in front of the class right off the bat. They can audio record it first. They kind of get a chance to sort of feel it out, listen to what they're saying and get the hang of it and get comfortable before they go bring it to everybody else. So I really like that aspect of audio recording also. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Being safe in the classroom is huge, especially in a day where you have all this social media and and things get out there. I feel sometimes that that really causes those students that are borderline determining whether they want to talk in class or not to, to really not talk. But now providing them a safe way, it might allow them to participate in a different way. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, guys, but I know I do a project at the end of the year and I always, I make the kids turn in like a rough draft. And then for the final draft, of course, they have to show revisions on that. And it's always tough to kind of tell, like, did they actually revise a lot of them? You know, they, they find it difficult to f- to figure out like, well, what should I change? I really like this version I have. And one of the things I always tell them is try reading it out loud. Say everything, start to finish. Don't skip the words. Don't read it in your head because then it just sounds like you want it to sound, but read it out loud. But there's really no way that I can check to make sure if they actually did that. So it's kind of a cool way to sort of force them to do that and and get them to see the benefit of that because it does sound silly until you actually do it. You can have them record that reading of their written work out loud. It does two things. One, it forces them to do it so they can hear the mistakes, hear things that don't sound quite right. And also, if it's recorded now, there's a, a record of it so they can you can make that part of your rubric part of what they submit in or and turn into you to sort of prove at least some aspect of the revision process i really like that and i've never done it before but i think i might incorporate and i'll just do the next two of these also because a big part of that um, when you read a written work out loud is then listening back to it so you can hear other things like tone of voice dramatic pauses, transitions. Do they sound right? Do they sound, are they working the way you want them to work? Mood. A lot of times a certain writing is trying to have a certain mood or an introduction that sort of has the the correct tone. And again, sort of forcing your students to do that reading out loud, recording it, one, so that they can show you they did it, two, just so they can hear it themselves. Even more important, that part. A lot of times students, they hand in stuff and they never actually proofread it themselves or they didn't read it aloud to themselves. You could catch a lot of mistakes just by reading it. And I know when I write papers and things like that, I have a lot of tense issues that I can normally catch when I read it aloud. And I think that's a great point to make. But um, we can take this a step further and go into differentiation. So when we think about our learners, uh, we have, you know, auditory learners, we have visual learners, spatial learners, all that. But really by allowing them the opportunity to use a different way to express what they know allows us to even the playing field as as teachers, I believe. Yeah. Or imagine, you know, imagine if you're a student who has a a learning disability and you didn't quite catch everything from class that your teacher was saying, but maybe that teacher records all their directions. Or I know some teachers actually record every single verbal direction or lesson that involves some kind of verbal content that's just part of the class. They record it, they post it every day. So now that student knows that they can go home and they have access to that to re-listen to, skip forward, replay things if they have to hear it a second time. I think it's a really nice way to kind of automatically differentiate. And a big part of that is something that we talk about all the time on Got Tech, the podcast. And that is, of course, the flipped classroom where students are not just replaying things they saw in class, but literally learning them for the first time while they're at home. So whether you have them listen to a podcast, uh, some sort of a dictation, 
education that you as the teacher create or just, uh, you know, we're trying to stay away from video here in this and focus mostly on audio, but same idea, anything that you've created or that's already out there online that you have the students listen to to gain information, doing that at home before class, uh, so powerful to kind of help students process through at their own pace. So these are just some of the benefits that we've kind of put together for audio recording in classrooms. Hopefully we've convinced you that this is a worthwhile pursuit. I know I think it is. I know guys thinks it is, but stay tuned. Now we're going to get into the best part, which is of course the specific student-centered activities that use audio recording. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at we got tech. I, I, I got to tell you, Nick, this is going to be probably one of my favorite segments because I'm very passionate about audio recording in the classrooms and coming up with different ways of doing it. I know we have 10 on this list that we came up with very quickly, but I think uh, we're going to probably end up with more because just as we were doing the last segment, I, I thought of a couple of uh, different variations of projects that we could use just by reading off some of the benefits of audio recording. Yeah, well, this is one of those things too. Like you said, I think when you start getting into it and you hear just like a couple ideas, it is that kind of thing where if you're, you know, it kind of gets the creativity running and you're like, oh my God, I didn't think of that. Wouldn't it be cool if I used it for this and kind of built it into you know, your own teaching style. And I think that's another one of the reasons that I was so excited about this. So hopefully you guys find some of that as we go through these activities that we've selected. How about, um, I'll kick it off with the first one. And this is always such an easy thing to adjust to almost any ed tech you want to incorporate in your class, but that's just an exit slip. Asking your students, reflect on what you've learned today. What did you see? Solve this one particular type of problem. Read back this passage to me with some new tone of voice that we've talked about. Something we all do all the time, almost every every day is some some form of an exit slip, whether you call it that or not. Uh, but I think there's some great ways to kind of bring audio recording into that. Yeah, I think uh, that is a great point. And also, one of my favorite things of uh, using exit slips in the classroom is the fact that I get to bring them back the next day and kind of use them as my opening as well. And what I would used to do is I would take pieces of paper that students filled out, I would collect them at the at the door. And if they needed time to complete it throughout the day. I had a folder right outside the door that they could put them in during lunch or after lunch or whatever. I would take those, I would read them, and I would pull out ones that I thought were good starting points for the next lesson or good uh, wrap-up points for the current lesson that we just went over. And I think I would use these little sound bites as a way to start a lesson. You know, I wouldn't do this the first couple times we did it, but after students got comfortable, you know, using audio and all that, I really believe that we could use these exit slips as a way of, you know, just introducing and concluding lessons and just make it that more dynamic. And uh, one thing I really like about using Using audio recording technology is there's so much of it out there and there are a lot of good ones and most of them are free. Uh, we can easily, you know, pay a premium price for an audio recording software, but some of the ones that we're going to go over today are absolutely free and uh, we'll use these over and over in a lot of the projects that we go over. So the first one I want to go over is called Vocaru, and it's a web-based platform. So as long as you have the internet, you can do this for free. You go to Vocaru, the website, which will be in the show notes, and you click a record button, you start talking, you click 
stop. And what it does is it allows you to download your audio recording in MP3 or WAV file. Same thing with Simple Audio Recorder. Uh, I know that this one also has a Chrome store uh, extension. And the last one is Talk and Comment, which is also an extension. And this is one of my favorites because it works within the Google apps. So if I wanted to leave a comment, instead of having to go up to the top, click on comment, click on the box and, and leave or type a, a comment there. I could use talk and comment. I just click on the extension icon and it automatically plops a comment box um, next to whatever I was clicking on or highlighted and I leave a voice comment and I move on and it's as simple as that. So these three pieces of technology are all viable uh, ways of conducting exit slip. Yep, I like all those. My favorite there, actually two favorites, simple audio recorder, just because it's just as named. It's so simple and easy to use. And those are my favorite things. And talk and comment, we've got we've gone over many times, but it's just so great to, as a teacher, be able to record your own voice and leave those leave that feedback for your students. And of course, in the, in the frame of an exit slip, it works great. And I don't want to steal this next one from you guys, but I think I need to kind of introduce this next uh, next idea because it fits so well for uh, for me as a, as a science teacher. So, um, But it could apply to anything. Just realize that too. And what we're talking about here is annotating a picture, but instead of with the typical way of annotating where you just maybe type into like a text box that you drop in somewhere, uh, now that annotation can be in an audio form. So for me, I teach chemistry. A lot of the stuff we do is generating uh, and collecting data that maybe you can then graph. And normally there has to be, you know, beneath that graph some kind of a little description of what it shows or any general trends that the students see. Uh, but what a cool way to change that and make it a little bit different for the kids is if all of a sudden, instead of just normally, you know, typing out that lab report, what about if instead uh, they have to verbally and do an audio recording of their annotation of that graph. So they take the graph, they pop it in somewhere, and then they record themselves in a bunch of the ways that we're going to talk about next, uh, sort of explaining what it shows in this new format rather than typing it out, which I think might take away again, like we said at the beginning, some of the stress, they get to sort of practice it until it sounds just right. So we've got some pretty cool ways to do that, uh, including ThingLink and Google Slides. Yeah, ThingLink, you could upload YouTube videos into your ThingLink. Uh, one thing I wanna say is that a lot of people get caught up with YouTube and just audio files. You could easily make an MP3 and MP4 by um, just adding a picture to it. And how would you do that? The, the easiest way to do that is to throw it into WeVideo. You take a picture file, any picture that you want, and you add audio to it, and then you stretch the picture for the length of the audio. So if the audio is five minutes, you'd stretch that picture to cover five minutes. You export it to YouTube, there you go. You have it. So you could easily put that narration or whatever comments that you have about the, the picture and you can upload that the thing link using the YouTube file or the MP4, which is just the picture and audio. Now Google Slides and also Google Drawings, there's a little shortcut that you're a little cheat or hack or whatever you want to call it to get um, the audio in there. For Google Slides, you're able to uh, integrate or bring in a YouTube video to Google Slides. Well, if you don't want that video to show, but you still want the audio, just drag it off to the side. So you know you have your canvas for each slide, but if you drag that the whole way over to the left off the canvas, it will still play, but it, will, it won't show. So that's a simple way to kind of use Google Slides as a picture annotation. You have your picture there and your videos off the screen and, and it plays. 
automatically as the next slide comes up. Uh, Google Drawings does not allow you to directly import a, a YouTube video, but there is a cheat. What you could do is create a Google uh, Slides project, insert a video onto the slide, set the start and stop time to wherever you want in that video, and then you copy the video from the Google Slide presentation and you paste it into the Google Drawing. And that's kind of like a backdoor way of playing MP4 or YouTube video in Google Drawings. Yeah, I, I love that little cheat. I didn't even know that was a thing until we kind of started researching uh, for this episode. But I think that's so cool for any teachers that maybe use Google Drawing as a means to share information with the kids and knowing that you can actually sort of have that little workaround there is really exciting. Um, now, I know we kind of framed that last one for, you know, science teachers, but think you could do that with any image you have and have the kids kind of turn, turn that image into the, that video format where they're talking over top of it. So you get that audio piece uh, using WeVideo and then incorporating that video into your Google Slides, your Google Drawings, whatever else. And sort of in that spirit, how about our, how about our world language teachers? They do audio stuff all the time. In fact, that's almost the whole course is learning to, to speak. I know writing is a big piece of it too, but of course that's spoken language. And uh, I know guys, you've seen this a lot of the times. I'm sure this is common in all schools, but our world language teachers have the kids out in the hallways and part of their assessments are speaking the language and the teacher has to sit there and listen to that. And that's, that's part of their, you know, part of what they're tested on. Uh, but imagine the power you would have if as a teacher, you didn't actually have to be there present for each of those assessments. You could have the kids record that audio in some kind of a digital format. So I think that one's really, really exciting and maybe a big game changer for the world language teachers out there. Yeah, I agree. A lot of times I see world language teachers not recording those conversations that they're having out there, those tests out there. So they have to not only listen, but they have to grade it and write down uh, evidence at the same time. Why not record it? We, we said both of these, so I'll just say Vocaroo is and Beautiful Audio Editor are both great programs for that. And the next one is near and dear to my heart because this is something I implemented uh, with several teachers in several classrooms with several students, and that's student podcasting. And really, podcasting is just any time you record an audio clip. So student podcasting, in this terms, I'm talking a bigger project, what most people consider traditional podcasting, and that's something that has segments. And uh, for example, this year in a English course, in an English course, we uh, did passion projects where they had to pick something that they're passionate about, a nonprofit, uh, something that has a good cause, uh, or something that they want to educate people on. And they had to do a podcast about it where there's an intro segment, several mi middle segments, one to three middle segments, and a concluding segment. Another teacher used uh, student podcasting as an alternate to an English essay. So this teacher had five English classes. They were all the same grade level, but um, one was honors and I think she had four regular or something in that effect. And she didn't want to collect um, 24 times five. So uh, uh, English essays. So she gave them the alternative and that was to make a student podcast. So they still had to have all the parts of an essay they just had to do it in podcast form. And I can I can comment on how cool this was. I, I sat in on a couple of the sessions where the kids were actually recording their podcasts. And you could tell they were a little uncomfortable at first because it's probably 
for them, it was the first time they've ever done that, let alone for a school project where they were going to get graded on it. But man, they got so into it and they thought it was so cool. The fact that they were actually making something that seems so real. Uh, and I just saw the kids get so much out of that experience. And by the time they were done, they actually sounded really good. It, it came really natural to them to sit there and record their voices in this conversational format. And I know that that was an experience that was going to stick with those kids for quite a while. Yeah. Some Now, this one has different technology that I would recommend. My favorite is Audacity, and that's by far. It's a free program. The pro is it's free. It's easy to use. You can easily edit and record uh, audio on it. The bad news is it's only for PC and Mac. Uh, it's not on Chromebooks now. I'm hoping that it comes to Chromebooks and that functionality is uh, soon going to be with us because I would use it for every single student podcast project, audio recording project, because it's that easy. But there are two other options that I would throw out there. And that's beautiful audio editor. Again, it's so functional, like the functionality of it is so simple and it's so diverse and that it allows you to record, edit and refine everything. But also the other one that we haven't really talked about too much, but we probably should give, throw it a, you know, bone here. And that's synth. And synth is, uh, an audio recording tool that allows you to record up to 256 seconds of a sound bite. So this isn't, when, when you look at it, yeah, maybe you don't want to record seven different sound bites of 256 seconds, but for student podcasting, where you're supposed to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, 256 seconds is a long time when you're really talking about it. When was the last time you had students talking for six to 10 to 12 to 15 minutes straight? Well, it's just like we say a lot of times, if you're a teacher making your own videos and content for kids, keep it short. In the, the short the better. Uh, and, and I think that the synth kind of speaks to that really nicely. So yeah, so that's another one. You just take these little sound bites in the and the greatest thing about synth is you can have them set so they play one after another. So it's not like it, it's not like you're going to have this project that you have to download one 256 second clip at a time. It will automatically play in their little uh, synth player one right after another. It's like every little sound bite is another almost segment or podcast. So if, if you're doing the beginning and that is your chunk of time, that's great. You move to the next one, that's your middle, and then it automatically plays the next one. It's almost like a playlist of your podcast in segments. Think about it that way. But let's get into the next one. I know we have some teachers that are music teachers, and they've been asking us to give them a couple ideas, so we thought we'd throw it out on the podcast. Yeah, and this is actually one, I'd, oddly enough, as a chem teacher, I kind of do this a couple times over the course of the year, and that is music creation, music recording. Obviously, everybody loves music and our students are no different. So having them create their own songs, writing their own lyrics, uh, and with a lot of the stuff we're going to offer today, writing their own musical backgrounds to that, or at least using some uh, previously created musical backgrounds so they can sort of produce really fully fledged songs. And they sound awesome. The kids love it as a way to remember stuff and a way to really engage with the content. So uh, music recording is sort of an obvious one here, but it definitely deserves to be mentioned. So just asking your students to write, record, and produce a song in a bunch of different styles. I asked the kids to do, I think I have them write a rap on um, one of the historical chemists who came up with some piece of atomic theory. And it's weird and it's goofy and they get silly with it, but I like it because it's something they take away and they remember. And then there's this chunk of audio that's just like always there. Maybe they save it on their phone and then it's just something they kind of can revisit and laugh at later. But 
But again, they're sort of revisiting with that chemistry that I want them to remember. Uh, so it's just kind of a fun, easy project there. Um, a lot of the things you could use to create this are the tech is the tech we've talked about already, the beautiful audio editor that Geis mentioned earlier, Audacity, as long as you've got a PC or a Mac, so simple to use, but it really gets this feel of like a real audio recording software uh, because it is. It's used by a lot of professionals as well. Um, Vocaroo, we've mentioned before as well. Uh, there are two of our favorites in this cat- category though, which if you do a project like this or want to do a project like this, you've got to check them out. The first one is called Flowcabulary and you can find them uh, uh, online pretty simply. Such an amazing website. They have so many resources, everything from curated sort of like beats and background music that students can download and use for their own songs. They have tips on how to write songs, how to rhyme in songs, how to record, how to produce. Um, And they're starting to sort of aggregate like pre-made musical themed lessons for teachers too. Uh, Flocabulary is such an amazing resource. They have way too many. We could do a whole show just on Flocabulary. So they're an awesome, awesome tool. And the other one, guys, I know is one of your favorites. So if I mess this up, kind of feel free to butt in. But uh, Incredibox. And if you haven't played around with Incredibox, if you're at a computer now, pull it up. It's Incredibox.com. And if you're not at a computer, as soon as you get to one, go check it out because it's just flat out fun. It lets you create your own beats. You don't have to download anything. It's all right in the browser. Um, But the best part is you can record the beat that you create. And as long as it's for educational purposes, nonprofit, you can download that and then use it for whatever project you want. And and Credibox is a really fun tool. Yeah, it is one of my favorites. Uh, I remember in college, beatboxing was kind of huge. And that's going to date me a little bit. But uh, I remember watching the first versions of YouTube and a bunch of beatbox on there. And uh, Incredibox is just that. It's incredible. So uh, moving on to another music recording project is um, recording instrumentals for, I guess, children's books. Uh, I worked with our music director and uh, he was having his students not only come up with a musical composition for each character, but he also had them read the book and narrate it. And every single time, so think of Peter and the Wolf. You get, you remember every time a character came into play, there's like some type of instrumental. They did the same thing, but they took some of the um, more known children's books that had a lot of characters in it, and they kind of made their own. And I thought it was such an awesome project. They turned out great. They weren't long. I mean, most of them were two to three minutes long, but they came out and they made their own music and they narrated their own stories that they chose. And you could just see that they bought in and had a lot of fun with that. You could probably use synth for that, right? With all those little short clips and it kind of strings them together automatically where each clip is a different character and a different musical element that goes along with it. Yeah, you could use synth, but you're going to have to doctor the the audio because it's a bunch of clips on top of one another because you'll okay. be reading of the story and then you also have a an instrumental clip as well but you could definitely use uh, a synth uh, beautiful audio editor audacity vocaro these are i think uh the teacher that does it uses uh garage band i, I want to say uh, that's another one but it's also you know an, a, a great opportunity to add a little bit more creativity to something that students might not be that into and now that you do it this way they're going to dig it it's going to be awesome. And let's say you're not so into the musical aspect. Maybe you're not just comfortable. Or you think it doesn't fit with your class. That's totally fine. Maybe you're more into the, the visual arts, actually drawing things, creating things. I know a couple times a year, 
I try and pull out sort of a comic book style project where students sort of explain some sort of, you know, content based thing back to me, but in the form of a comic strip uh, for in the sciences, this is usually some sort of a metaphorical thing where they write a story about a certain molecule and have to describe what that molecule experiences. And sort of in that, I see if they understand the chemistry behind it. But a comic book, of course, is just a really fun, easy way for kids to do that. They know what comic books are. They get it. They know what it's supposed to look like. So it's very natural. Um, and there's benefits to having, you know, students, of course, draw it out by hand. But if you want to save time, you want to make it look a little more professional, there's lots of other cool ways to do this. It could be as simple as taking photographs or scanned images of what they draw, putting it in a Google Slides presentation. And now that it's there, they can add audio to that and narrate over top of it. Or use something like a, there's a website called storyboardthat.com. I use these guys all the time. You can pay and they have a lot of stuff to, to access if you want to pay for a premium version. But I use the free one. They have tons of sort of like pre-made storyboards that you can can edit, drag in characters. And one of my favorite features of Storyboard that is once you create your comic book sort of storyboard series of images, you can download them and it sort of automatically populates your uh, your storyboard or your comic book slides into a PowerPoint or Google Slides presentation. So then you can tie back in that narrating piece over top of it. And Storyboard that is just one of a hundred websites that do the same thing. It's just one of my favorites that I wanted to kind of bring out today. Kind of going with that, uh, I remember 18 years ago, 19 years ago, when I was a uh, senior in high school, one of our student teachers every Friday made us bring in or assigned us uh, a political cartoon. And and then he would randomly pick people and they would have to stand up, show their political cartoon and kind of, he would tell you to tell the class basically what that political cartoon meant or what's the significance behind it. And I think you could tie in political cartoons just like you did these comic strips as well. So I, I, I don't know. That's one that I just thought of as you were talking. But let's, uh, let's go into the next one, which is peer-to-peer -peer feedback. I think this is uh, really next level. So picture yourself in a Google document. You had to write a article or a newspaper article for an English class. And in that newspaper article, you have to have a big, sexy hook. Um, you have to have the what, the where, the why, the when, the how, all that stuff. But then you're supposed to give your newspaper article to two classmates and they have to comment on it and they have to provide peer feedback on how you can improve it. Well, now using talk and comment, you could share that Google document with your teacher and your two peers. They can all comment on it using talk and comment. And now everybody can see those comments. So now the teacher can see, hey, what was the starting project? What did that look like? Using the revision uh, history on it. But then you also have, well, how did the peers, how did the other students help them make that project better? And everything's all in one spot for the teacher to grade. And then the teacher could even use uh, talk and comment to provide feedback on, you know, the grade, how the the student did, how the, the peers did with their feedback, and they could help them learn how to give more valuable feedback in a way that makes sense to everybody, all in one place. I love that idea, especially because it kind of fits in with the one that I want to talk about too, and also just fits in with student-centered classrooms in general, that peer assessment, like you just talked about, so valuable. Another huge piece, and I think it's the one that teachers forget about the most, and that is not peer assessment, but self-assessment, getting students to analyze their own work, and a big part of that, of course, is formative 
assessment where you sort of evaluate where you're at. But I'm talking about doing that yourself uh, as a student, sort of seeing where you are and where you still have to go. And one of the classic ways to do that is, of course, a flashcard. I was never a fan of flashcards. They didn't work so good for me, you know, where you kind of write a word on one side and flip it over for the definition. It's like a study tool. It's really just a formative assessment kind of lets you know exactly what you know and what you don't know so you can practice it. Um, I think it's really kind of cool to start imagining turning those flashcards into audio flashcards. And there's a lot of different ways you could do this. It could be as simple as a Google slide where there's a word or, or something that they have to study or practice typed in. But then you use talk and comment where uh, you can click the teacher comment area and hear the teacher explain and actually give audio feedback on that thing rather than flipping a card over and seeing it written out. For some kids, if you're an audio learner or you just like that better, maybe you like hearing your teacher's voice, that could be super valuable. So think about some different ways that you could turn flashcards in this audio format. And one cool new thing I kind of came across uh, last week is something called Book Widgets. And, and Book Widgets is this really cool service that's really all about digital content creation with a focus on audio. And they have tons and tons of things. Just check out their website. You'll see some of what I'm talking about. But one of the templates that they have for teachers is just that. It's a flashcard template where the teacher can really easily create these digital flashcards where instead of you know flipping them over, you can still kind of do that with their template. But then when you flip it over, what you hear is the actual teacher's voice and you get to make those and share them out with your class. So check out uh, bookwidgets.com for that and lots of other really cool stuff as well. And I think that was our ninth one, right guys? Do we have just one more, number 10? Yeah, we have uh, one more, but then I also want to bring in one for the math teacher. All right. Because uh, we, we tend to leave those off and I don't know why, uh, but I want to make sure that we get one for our math teacher friends out there. Uh, the next one is near and dear to my heart because this is something I used to do when I taught bioethics. And what I meant that I used to do it, I used to do it in written form. I would have these asynchronous debates with students. And so the what students would have to do is they would have a topic and it would be two students that were part of this topic, the pro side, the con side. So I'm just going to pick a topic of mountaintop mining. And if you don't know what mountaintop mining is, it's instead of going in, digging into the side of the mountain, going in to get the coal, you blow off the top and then you gather all the resources, and then you fill it in with uh, scrap topsoil and, and, and stuff like that, just fill. But uh, anyway, so you have a pro and a con, and the pro would come in the first day and say, I'm this side because I believe that this mountaintop mining is a good thing for economy. The other person will come in at some point in time during the class uh, period in which they have time, whether it's uh, during the middle and that person is done or the end of the class period and they will go up and they will write, you know, I am con because I don't like, um, I, I don't think there's enough benefits for that type of mining versus traditional mining. And then they'll go back and forth and they'll have a debate and this might take a week, it might take two weeks, but they, they write on a piece of paper, Google Doc, they could text it, type it in there. But what if we could do this with audio? as well. So one of the platforms that I could think of, and I know I use this as a professional outside of the classroom is Voxer, but if you can somehow find a program like Voxer or get Voxer Pass to be able to use in your classroom, uh, that would be an easy one to use. I know some people have used Twitter and had Twitter debates uh, that are asynchronous, but I want to talk about the vocal and that's Voxer. Uh, you could also 
use a talk and comment in a Google uh, Doc, or you can go even a step further and you can copy and paste sound clips into a Google Drive folder using Vokaroo or Beautiful Audio Editor. But I think that there's real potential there to have a, a debate over a longer period of time that maybe doesn't need to take place during class time, but maybe outside. And they had to, you know, do a one minute clip every other day for two weeks. And then they have a debate there. I, I love the idea of an asynchronous debate. I think it kind of solves so many of the issues that debates might bring to a class for teachers that aren't comfortable. One, of course, is the time element. Two, it can happen outside of class. Three, again, it kind of takes some of that pressure off of actually having the students do it in class. And while it is important to get them to actually debate, you know, face to face, that's a, a skill you want to cultivate. Maybe you do the asynchronous debate first, leading up to that, kind of let everybody form their opinions in this sort of long form. Then you bring it to the classroom. I think there's a lot of ways to tie that in in the audio format kind of makes it just that extra exciting. So I, I love that one. All right. So what do I have for the math teachers? Yeah. What are you bringing out here? And this has popped up a couple different times, but my, what I mean by that is, is you said stuff throughout the episode that, that kind of sparked this, but one of the biggest things that uh, math teachers always say is show your work. Well, instead of showing your work, why don't you explain your work? How can we make this happen in audio form? Well, that's simple. They, they use their Chromebooks, which has a camera, or their phones, uh, they take a picture of the problem that was assigned to them. They throw that picture into a Google Slides presentation. Maybe each student has uh, an assigned problem that, that they have to work on, fill out. They take a picture of it, throw it in that Google Slides presentation, and then they have to add at audio on uh, how they would work through that problem. I think that's taken math to the next level because if you share one presentation, say you have 24 students in, in the class and you make 24 math problems, you assign each problem to uh, one problem to each student and you tell them that they have the next 10 minutes to take a picture of their completed problem, throw it in that slides presentation and add audio to it of how they solved it. Well, now the students have 24 different examples of problems with audio on how to solve the answers to a problem. I think that's next level right there. Uh, yeah, you just, I knew I was excited about this segment and you just blew my mind. I'm going to steal that from my, my chemistry class this coming year because that's such a great idea and I do so much math. I think there's a lot of teachers that can use something like that. So we promised you 10. We gave you 11 different specific project ideas where you could tie in some audio recordings. So Hopefully you guys found at least one or two things you can use. I know there's something for everybody in this list. So definitely start to bring in some audio recording into your classroom in a small way, in a big way, in whatever way works for you. And hopefully some of the stuff we featured can help you out. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.